Thanks for taking some time to listen to this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe God will speak to you right where you are. Now, let's take a moment and prepare our hearts to hear this week's message. We're in this series called Don't Give Up the Ship, talking about relationships in our life. And so if you're a first-time guest checking out Elevate Church, let me say welcome. My name is Colby, and today I want to talk to you from the subject of battleship. We're talking about battles. We're talking about fighting. Come on, we're talking about locking, you know, horns and just kind of going at it together in our relationships. Because how many of you know you will have conflict in your relationship? Do you know that? Hey, listen, by the way, you should participate a lot today because this is my favorite Sunday. Everyone had an hour extra sleep last night, all right? So if you're awake, let me know, all right? Just let me know. But you will have conflict in the relationship. If you don't, that means one of you is useless in the relationship because you are not engaging your brain, right? If you're, there are two functioning people with functioning brains, you will have, have conflict. And I don't care, maybe you came into the room and thought, well, if I, just, if I just love Jesus a lot, then everything's gonna be okay. Listen, I hate to disappoint you. Even Jesus had a Judas. I mean, there's going to be conflict in the relationship. And so if, if you, you know, have the goal of never being in a battle, never being in a fight, then you are going to be sadly disappointed because we will all face conflict in our relationships. Now, some of us, right, run to conflict. Like you enjoy conflict. You're a little twisted. You're, you know, you, you kind of run to it every time. And, but a lot of us uh, avoid conflict. I'm a conflict avoider. Like I don't, you know, if I don't have to deal with it, I don't want to deal with it. I want to sweep it under the rug. I want there to always be peace and happiness, you know, in the home. And so, uh, you know, I'll avoid it at all costs. Some of you are like that. But what happens is you don't always engage in authentic conversations because you kind of want to always keep things kind of surface level. But it doesn't matter where you fall in the spectrum of avoiding or enjoying conflict. The reality is we're all going to face conflict. So what happens when we do? What happens when we lock horns? What happens when we do do battle? Well, if you never learn how to uh, navigate through it in a healthy way, then you're never going to have healthy relationships because you're never going to have resolution in the relationship. And if you don't have resolution in the relationship, it, it will never be healthy. Now, you might have the appearance of a healthy relationship. Maybe you walked into church today and you have your church face on, which, by the way, uh, you could go ahead and take that off. We don't do that here, right? We're just going to get real with you. Like, you can have the appearance of it, but you know that when you get home, all hell's going to break loose, and so, like, how do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with, you know, battles that we have in our relationships? And so, in order to figure that out, I want us to look at a book called The Song of Solomon. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to that. Uh, I think some versions, NLT is one that says Song of Songs. But what that really means is that out of all the songs that Solomon wrote, this is the song, the Song of Songs, the, the Song of Solomon, like the number one hit uh, if this was written by Vanilla Ice, it would be like Ice Ice Baby, right? The number one, in fact, the only hit, uh, Ice Ice Baby, it'd be the number one song. That's basically what it means, the Song of Solomon, this is it. And let me give you a few uh, disclaimers while you're turning there. First of all, um, this is going to be more uh, of a teaching, so I'd encourage you to take notes. If you're a note taker, this will be a great note taking message. If you're not a note taker, start today. Take some notes. Um, it's going to be a little more teachy. It will have some preaching in it, I think, somewhere in there. But then second disclaimer is this. This is about a married couple. However, it's not just for married couples. 
So I don't want you to say, oh, this is about a married couple. This doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm not going to get anything out of this. I promise you, you will. What I'm talking about uh, will impact any relationship that you have, marriage, friendship, uh, it could be a work relationship. You know, it doesn't matter. There's going to be something in here for you. So, so don't tune that this out at all. And here's the last kind of disclaimer. What I'm going to share with you is hard. There's nothing that's going to e be easy about this. But I believe that with God's help and his Holy Spirit, that we will be able to learn how to have conflict in a healthy way. No matter the baggage that you've brought into the relationship, by the way. Or, or no matter the, the example that you've seen go before you, maybe even in your own family, of, of how to not do conflict, of how to not, you know, kind of fight with one another in a, in a good way. No matter your experiences in that, I believe uh, that, that God's, with God's help, we can learn how to conflict in a healthy, healthy way. I would say it this way, that we decide that we're not going to give up the ship because the ship is worth the fight. How many of you know that? Like, it's worth the fight. Like, if you're in a relationship with anybody, it's not by chance you're in that relationship. Like, God has placed that person in your life, so those relationships are worth fighting for. So we need to learn how to do it in a healthy way. Song of Solomon, if you're there, chapter 5, let's roll. The, the previous four chapters kind of talk about how this couple, like, gets together. It talks about their, their courting relationship. And it's, for us, you know, that word doesn't, uh, is not used a lot. It's kind of like modern-day dating, but they, they court for a little while, and then they get married, and then it also talks about the honeymoon night. In fact, it goes into great detail and graphic detail about the honeymoon night. Some of you will read that and like, I can't believe that's in the Bible. Yeah, you should read your Bible. It's awesome, right? It's awesome. <laughs> it's in there. But then uh, in chapter 5, we're going to see they get into their first battle. They get into their, their first fight, and I think this is going to have uh, something for us today. Take a look. Solomon, Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. This is the girl talking. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Uh, another disclaimer quickly is that this is written in kind of a poetic, kind of allegorical format. So if, as we read it, you're like, I don't understand that. What does that, that mean? You know, this is kind of weird. Listen, just hang in there. I promise it will become clear. I slept, but my heart is awake. In other words, I'm trying to sleep, but my heart's pounding. Have any of you ever been there when you've been so upset where you couldn't sleep? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Like you just, you're just struggling to sleep. Like you're so, you have anxiety. There's tension in the relationship. Maybe you're in a fight. Maybe you're fighting now, and it was hard to sleep even last night. But it's kind of like, man, we're just kind of, there's this fight where you're just so upset you can't sleep. That's where she is. Listen, my lover is knocking. So he's come home. He's at the door. And here's what he says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. <laughs> this guy wants something, doesn't he? You should take your kids to Elevate Kids, just saying. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. So he's been out, been doing something, and he's coming home, home late. And he didn't call, he didn't tell her he was going to be out late, and she says, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it back on again? I've already washed my feet. Must I soil them again? This is Hebrew for I have a headache. I'm not into this right now. <laughs> my lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. And so right here we see her heart is starting to change a little bit. 
Uh, I arose to open for my lover. My hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers were myrrh. My fingers were flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my lover, but he had left. He was gone. And so my heart sank at his departure. Obviously, she was disappointed and hurt. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. So here's what's happening. This guy's done something to aggravate her. I know none of you have ever been there in your relationships, but he's done something to aggravate her, and he, he's come home. He's come home late, and, and he's knocking on the door, but she's locked him out. And he's knocking on the door because he's got some things in mind that, you know, he wants to do that night. But she doesn't let him in, and so he, he leaves. He's disappointed. And I want to say this, that the epicenter of every conflict, the origination point of all conflict, it doesn't matter if you're in a marriage relationship, uh, a dating relationship, a friendship, working relationship, it doesn't matter the context of it, the origination of conflict, every conflict is the same. It all is the, the same point, and it has nothing to do with personality, has nothing to do with your personal preferences, but it's this, write this down, all conflict is the result of unmet expectations. Every time, it's a result of unmet expectations. She had an expectation of him, that, that he would come home, or that he would at least call, and tell her that he was going to come, come home late. And because that expectation wasn't met, she got upset, and she locked him out. She locked that dog out. She's like, you're not getting in here, right? And he had an expectation of her, that he would come home, and he would sweet talk her, my flawless one, my dove, and then he would get something that he wanted, but that didn't happen. His expectation was unmet, and so a conflict was the result. Both had unmet expectations, and conflict always is a result of unmet expectations. And can I tell you something? Every relationship you are in, you have expectations of that person, whether you choose to believe that or not. In your marriages, in your friendships, no, 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 Colby, we don't, I don't have any expectations of them. Oh, yes, you do. Like, no, I, you know, I just love her. It doesn't really matter. Whatever she does, I just love her. Um, okay. I don't have any expectations. We're just, we're friends. I'm for them. I want them to know I'm for them. Listen, every relationship, whether it's working, whatever it is, you have expectations of that person. Listen, when you got married, you walked down the aisle with a, a box of expectations. And when they said, I do, you kind of open that box. Now, this is not a physical box of expectations. You had a kind of a, you know, imaginary box of expectations of, of what you thought it would look like when you got married. Like, guys, you expected once you got married, uh, you had an expectation of what she would and would not wear to bed at night. Did you not? You expected it not to be flannel. You expected it, you expected it to, to not cover so much of her. You expected it to be, you know, satin and skimpy and not the, you know, the T-shirt that you got from the company thing that you never wear. <laughs> you had expectations. And when those expectations went unmet, conflict was the result of that. Uh, you, you expected that maybe, maybe your mom cooked breakfast for you every Saturday morning, and you woke up to the smell of coffee and bacon and eggs, and then the first Saturday after you got married, you wake up and you're like, I don't smell no coffee. I don't smell any bacon. Like, what's, what happened? What's the problem here? Did the power go out? You know, what's, what's going on? Because you had an expectation. And when expectations go unmet, conflict is the result. You went into the marriage with an expectation of how money would get handled. 
Like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the budgeting, or, or they're going to do the budgeting, or you went into ex- the marriage with expectation of how many kids that you thought you would have or, or, or not have or, or, how many, uh, or how you would discipline, but you went into it with all these expectations. And she did too, by the way. She expected that you were just going to spend all the time together that you had every single amount of free time. She didn't know anything about guys' night. You're, she's like, what am I going to do while you're gone? I don't know. I'm going to get some wings. I don't know what you're going to do, right? Like she expected, you know, Saturdays to be filled with uh, shopping at Sam's Club and eating samples and um, long walks on the beach and picnics in the park and all that kind of stuff. But when those expectations went unmet, conflict was the result. And again, not just in marriage. Like even in your job, you had an expectation of what that job was going to be like. You, you, you thought it would be a place where you could thrive, a place where you could grow and get promoted. Or you had a bad experience at a previous job. And you went, and you're like, I expect that I'm not going to get close to anyone. I'm just going to get mine. I'm going to punch a clock. I'm going to come in at 8.05 and leave at 4.55. You know, and, and by the way, that's not a good way to get promoted, uh, at least in this church. And on our staff, is not a good way. Uh, we, don't, we don't do that. But you had an expectation. And the result of any unmet expectation is conflict. It's conflict. Um, and I don't care how godly you are. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how nice of a person you are. When there are expectations that go unmet, conflict arises. But here's the challenge. Write this down. Most of us have never clearly communicated our expectations. That's why we do battle. Not just because there are expectations, but because we never told the other person that we're in a relationship with that we have an expectation of them, And so we're fighting about something. They have no idea why we're even fighting about it. Because you expected in the relationship or in the marriage that birthdays would look like this or that, that holidays would look like this or, you know, that you would go over to your parents on Thanksgiving or, or this is what we do for Christmas and Christmas Eve we open presents. Or, but you thought it was Christmas morning that you open presents because that's the way you were brought up. Or we put out cookies for Santa or you're like, we don't even talk about Santa in our house. But you have conflict because of that. Or you can go on, on vacation and because it was never clearly communicated what the expectation was, I mean, it can result in conflict. How many of you, the night before vacation, be honest, have ever gotten into a fight or the first day of vacation because you thought it was going to go differently? Anybody in this room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it can just all go bad quickly because of unspoken, uncommunicated expectations. Even going out to dinner. Honey, where, you, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. That's a lie. But there are unspoken expectations, right? And, of course, you know, Kristen and I, we don't do this. You know, in the preacher's house, they don't, they don't fight at all. Everything's wonderful all the time. Uh, Chris, we, we, we had a fight the other day, and uh, Kristen finally came crawling back on her hands and knees and, <laughs> and said, get out from under the bed and fight like a man, right? Because I'm, I'm the avoider. I'm the avoider. But we all have expectations, you get in the car and you're like, you know, what's, what's wrong? Is everything okay? I'm fine. Fine ain't fine. Just so you know, it's not fine. And you're sitting there wondering, all right, what did I say? What did I do? You know, did I forget a birthday? Did I forget an anniversary? Did I say something about her mom? You know, what was it? And you have, you have no idea. Hey, can I tell you something? You know why you have no idea? Because you have no idea. That expectation was never clearly 
communicated to you. And because it wasn't clearly communicated to you, the result, right, is, was an expectation that was unmet and it came about in conflict. We end up in this cycle of dysfunction, unmet expectations, disappointment, uh, conflict, repeat. Unmet expectation, disappointment, conflict. And a lot of times what started out as something small and insignificant that didn't even matter at all became this huge deal, put holes in the, the ship, and now you're taking on water and the ship is sinking. The relationship starts to sink. So I, there's got to be a better way. And no matter, by the way, how clearly you communicate expectations, um, you're still going to have conflict because we're human. You're not always going to hit the mark every single time. You're not always going to get it right and clearly communicate everything up front. So you're going to have conflict. So what do we do? How do we have a healthy conflict? Uh, I want to give you three rules of engagement today from this story in Song of Solomon, again, around the subject of, of battleship. Three rules that will help us have a healthy conflict. So if you keep reading ahead, now in chapter 6, He's gone. He gets upset, right? An expectation went unmet. And now we see her uh, talking to her friends. And they say, where has your lover gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your lover turn that we may look for him with you? And then she basically says this, you don't have to go looking. You don't have to because I know where he is. My lover has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the garden, to gather lilies. I am my lover's. And he is mine. And he browses among the lilies. You're like, what in the world does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that he's a gardener. But what it does mean is that she's saying he's consistent. I know what he's doing. I know what kind of man he is. I know where he's, he's gone. He's gone down to the garden. And the garden for him could represent um, a place of, of peace. It could represent a place of prayer. She's basically saying, I know where he is. You don't have to worry about it. He's just gone to clear his head. He's gone to could take a breather. He's gone to take a second. You know, because we had this conflict, we're in this, this battle. Here's the first thing I want you to write down if you're going to have healthy conflict, is that I will have a predetermined response, not a knee-jerk reaction. It's going to be predetermined. He went down to the garden. He removed himself from the situation. He removed himself from, from escalating emotions, you know, and, and when what, that's what happens when we have conflict. He, he took himself away from the, the tensions, and he, he had this predetermined response. This is where I go to clear my head instead of reacting, just reacting in the moment. You know, the word react literally means to reenact. That's part of the definition, which means if you do something to me, then I'm going to reenact back to you. And a lot of times what happens in a relationship and, and, and when we have arguments is that you say something and I reenact back and I'll say something worse because I'm going to get back at you. Or you cut me, I'm going to reenact back what you did to me, and I'm going to a lot of times cut harder. Or you punch me, I'm going to punch you, you back. And that's what happens. We reenact over and over, and it just escalates. It's one thing and then the other, and it's back and forth over and over again until you've lost the friendship. Because we've reenacted towards one another in such a way that it's just now kind of severed the relationship. Or you reenact something to me and I act back to you and it's just over and over and it escalates, escalates and you end up filing for divorce. And don't tell me it can't happen that fast because I've seen it. I'm telling the truth. Something that started out as small and insignificant 
has now been blown out of proportion because we've responded back and back and back to one another, just reacting and reacting and reacting in the moment. I'll talk to couples a lot of times, and we'll get down to the, the issue. I'm like, what caused that? What caused that? And they'll say, well, this happened and this happened. And if you just kind of follow that trail out, you, you discover that it was something that was stupid and inconsequential. But now it's threatening to, to destroy a marriage because of, of reacting, just this knee-jerk response back to, to one another. You have to decide that you are going to have a predetermined response to conflict. When I was a, a youth pastor, I would tell my, my students all the time, you don't decide, you know, when you're all alone with someone of the opposite sex, if you're going to have purity in the relationship or not. It's too late. You don't decide then. You better pre-decide what you're going to do when that situation happens because it's going to happen. Uh, I tell them, you don't, you don't decide what you're going to do at the party when someone decides, you know, they're going to pass you a joint, whether you're going to smoke it or not. Like, you have to pre-decide. You have to make that choice ahead of time because if you don't, you're going to end up making the wrong decision in the moment. So you have to pre-decide in conflict how you're going to respond. And some of you, I'm going to come all up in your house today. Listen to me. You respond the wrong way. You blow up. You get angry. You say things that are hurtful that, that, you, don't, that, that you can't get back, by the way. That you blow up. In fact, in a relationship, in a marriage, there's generally two kinds of people. There are the, the mutes and the maniacs. One of you is just silent, and the other one just explodes, right? Or you can say there's the skunks and the turtles. The, 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 the turtle kind of tucks its head in the shell and just hides, you know, and avoids it. And the skunk, right, just, like, stinks the whole place up, right? That's your, how many of you, like, point to the skunk in the relationship right now? Go ahead and do it. This will be fun. You'll have fun with that later. A battle. I just started a battle. But that's what happens is some of you get so angry and you, and you blow up. I think you need to have a predetermined response of this is how I'm going to handle conflict. And for you, it could be saying, you know what, I'm going I'm to go away for 10 minutes. I'm going to find my place of peace. I'm going to find my place of, of prayer like the, like the garden. I'm going to remove myself from this. I'm going to have a predetermined response. I'm not just going to react. Because when you react, you say things you don't mean. And by the way, when you say things you don't mean, you can't get those words back. You can ask for forgiveness, but you can never get those words back. Dads, you say something hurtful to your children. Like, you can't get those words back. You can pray. You can ask for forgiveness, but wouldn't it be easier just to say, I'm going to have a predetermined response. I'm going to go away. I'm going to clear my head, and then I'm going to come back. Wouldn't that be a lot easier than reacting in the moment and asking for forgiveness later? Like, you need to have a predetermined response. And by the way, when you have a predetermined response, you don't, you don't fire back and use words like always and never. Like, when you say, you always do this, can I tell you something? Just remove that from your vocabulary because none of us are that consistent that we always do something. None of us are that good, right? It's just kind of, we don't always do anything. So just go ahead and get that out of your vocabulary. Here we go. We'll keep reading. Verse 4, she is uh, talking to him now, and he says, or this is him talking to her. He says, you're beautiful, my darling, as Tizra, lovely as Jerusalem. Majestic as troops with banners, 
turn your eyes from me, they overwhelm me. In other words, don't look at me, girl. I can't even stand your eyes. They're beautiful. I get lost in your eyes. And all that seems, seems okay. But then we get to this part. Your hair is like a flock of goats. <laughs> Descending from Gilead, your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Hey, girl, you use whitening? Looks like you got some crest. Wait, what is that? Each one has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Girl, you're not missing one tooth, right? That's what he's saying. You're not missing one tooth. And this whole time, here I thought you were from Titusville. You're not even missing one. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm, this is heavy stuff, and so we have to kind of lighten it up a little bit. Please forgive your pastor. I can't be held uh, accountable for everything that I say. Basically, what he's saying is you have great hair, you got great teeth, I, I love you, write this down, I will choose the right target. This is critical. When you are in a battle, when you are in a conflict, you better choose the right target because I don't know if you're aware of this, you have a choice. You have a choice what it is that you will target in the, the heat of the moment. Did you notice what he didn't target? He didn't say, hey, you locked me out. He didn't target what she did. He didn't target her flaws. He didn't target her inconsistencies. Well, last time I came home, you didn't lock me out. Last time I came home, this wasn't an issue because we all have inconsistencies. He didn't target any of those things in the relationship. He chose to target and focus on what was good about her, what was beautiful about her, the thing that he, he loved most about her. In the middle of conflict, you have a choice, what it is that you're going to to target. I was thinking about this and I thought, how great would it be if in the middle of your battle, in the middle of your, your fight and the relationship, that if you could pause and just and tell that person five things that you love about them. I told you this would be hard. That's hard, isn't it? Like in the middle of the, the fight, in the middle of the heat of the moment to stop and say, you know what? Your hair is like a flock of sheep or whatever, right? <laughs> Maybe don't say that. But you say, this is what I love about you. This is what I've always loved about you. This is how, how beautiful I think you, you are. Do you think if you did that, that might change the outcome of that conflict? I think it would. You choose to target the right thing. You can decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to target and fixate on this one thing that aggravates me. Like the, like the way you take out the trash and when you take out the trash and that you don't take out the trash. Like I'm going to focus on that. I'm not sure why a lot of conflict happens around trash, but it does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, instead of saying I'm going to focus on the fact that you don't, you don't squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom, you always do it from the top and mess everything up. Or, you know, I'm going to focus on the fact that you're a spender, 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 and here I am wanting to save and do that. Hey, instead, why don't you choose to focus on the right thing and say, you know what, I'm so thankful that you work your tail off that we actually have some money that we can spend, right? Like, focus on the right thing. Like, even in a job, if you go to that work and say, man, I hate this place, you know, I don't even, my boss is a jerk face, you know, I don't like it here at all. Why don't you choose to focus on the fact that you have a job, that you have a paycheck, that you're able to bring money home and support your family. It's all about what you choose to target. You better focus on the right thing. Because when you do, I promise you it will change your relationships. Choose to target the right thing. Have you ever walked into the, the kitchen uh, from the living room? and you forgot why you walked into the kitchen. Anybody ever do that? 
Like you get up off the couch and you're like, I got to go to the kitchen for something. And you get to the kitchen and you're like, why am I here? That's crazy, isn't it? But when you're in a battle, you can remember stuff from 15, 20 years ago, can you not? You forget where you put your keys five minutes ago, but when you're in a conflict, let me tell you something. You load that cannon with, you know, ammo from 27 years ago, and this happened in the relationship. You know why that is? It's because you're targeting the wrong thing. You know what happens when you, when you decide to target the wrong thing? You do battle in the relationship for, for victory instead of resolution. You are fighting in it to win. You're fighting in it to, to be right, to say, you know what, I told you so, that I'm right, you're wrong, because if there was another way to do it, then I would already be doing it because my way is the right way all the time. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about? Don't look at me so spiritual like that never happens to you. Your way is the right way. It's the only way. And then you got put together with someone. You got in a marriage. You got in a, a dating relationship, and they think they have the right way. And so they know how to do it, and you know how to do it, and you start to lock horns, and you start to, to fight over it, and you start to choose the wrong target, and you start to fight in a conflict in order to win it, in order to have victory, in order to say, I'm right and you're wrong. But let me ask you this, in a relationship, when you're supposed to be on the same team, on the same side, how is it that one of you could win and one of you could lose if you're on the same side? See, I've never been on a, on a sports team where we went to the locker room and the scoreboard said we lost. And I got in the locker room and I said, man, I killed it that game. I did awesome that game. Listen to me. If the team loses, you lose. And in a marriage relationship, you are supposed to be a team. So how can one of you win and one of you lose? Doesn't happen. You both better be winning. So you don't fight to, to have victory. You fight to have resolution in the relationship, same is true in the friendship. Like if one of you is, is in the relationship and there's conflict because you wanna win and you're right, you're right, you're not gonna keep that friendship. You're not gonna keep that relationship. You always fight to have resolution, not to, to win, not to win. There's always going to be conflict and Colby in the middle of it, it's extremely hard to do that because it feels so good to get back at them. Listen, I hear you, but I think with God's help, that we can do battle in the right way and choose the right target to focus on. I just think that it will change the outcome of that conflict if you let that person know that they are more valuable to you than that thing that you're doing battle over, amen? Like just let them know. I promise you it will change the outcome. Here's the, here's the last thing that we see. They've reconnected. They, you know, they were in a battle, they were in a fight, she locked him out, he came home late, they had expectations that went unmet, he decided he's going to focus on the right thing, girl, you're beautiful, and so they found each other, and let's skip ahead to chapter 8, verse 6, this is what she says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame, and many waters cannot quench love. Rivers aren't going to sink it. Nothing is going to sink this ship. Nothing is going to sink this relationship that we are in. Here's the last thing, probably the most important thing, the most important rule of engagement in a healthy conflict is this, learning that retreat is not an option. It's not an option that I'm staying 
that if I don't have confidence that you're going to stay, that you're going to do battle in a healthy way, then I won't have safety in the relationship. If I don't have confidence that, they, that if we get into a fight, that you're not going to run for the door, you're not going to hit the exit, that you're always going to say, you know, I'm leaving or that you're threatening to do that, then I don't ever have safety to have conflict with you in a, in a healthy way. you got to get to that place where you'd say retreat is not an option. Because when you do, you give that person confidence that come hell or high water, that you're staying, that you're in it that you're going to do battle. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to commit to focusing on the, the right thing, targeting the right thing. You're going to have a predetermined response. And no matter what happens, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Like for Kristen, she knows that if she decides she wants to leave, I'm going with her. I'm going with you. She says, I'm going to pack a bag. I'm out of here. I'm getting in her suitcase. I'm going with her. Because this is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. And if it is, then retreat is not going to be an option. It's just something that we've, we've decided we're going to do. You have to have that kind of commitment in a relationship after all. That's the nature of commitment. Commitment means that you're committing to do something, to stay in something because you know there's going to be hard times. You know there's gonna be moments where you don't wanna stay. And that's why you make a commitment. That's why we make a commitment in January, right, to, to go to the gym. Because we know about nine days into January, we're gonna quit. We're not gonna to wanna to go anymore. But you make a commitment. And you say that I'm staying, I'm staying, no matter what. And when you do, it gives that person confidence to have conflict in a, in a safe, in a healthy way, knowing that you're not going to look for the exit every time. You're going to say, I'm staying because I know in a marriage, it's going to get tough. It's going to be challenging, but retreat is not an option. In this friendship, it's going to get tough, but retreat is not an option. I know it would be easier to disengage, to kind of get out of there in a world that says, hey, do the easy thing. Take the easy way out. You need to have the resolve to say, hey, for me, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give up this ship because retreat is not an option. Come on, somebody. It's not an option. You say, and what that does, it just gives that person confidence. No matter what happens, no matter what we go through, no matter the storms, no matter what shakes us, nothing is going to break us. No matter what rocks us, we're going to stay strong together because retreat is not an option. I was about four years, five years ago. Um, my boys had never heard the word divorce in our house. We just don't speak it. It's not allowed. But, uh, my parents split up a while back, got divorced, and my dad was getting remarried, and my kids asked the question, why is, why is G-Dad, that's my dad, why is G-Dad, you know, not with Granny? You know how when they're little, you, just, you have these questions, and you're trying to figure it all out. Um, and so I explained it to them. I said, here's what happened, and here's what divorce is. I said, but for us in this house, like, we don't use that word. It's not on the table not an option like I can think of the worst case scenario but it's not an option like we're in this together forever and 
Now, I sometimes think Kristen would put murder on the table. I'm just saying. But retreat's not an option. You got to get to that place. And listen, some of you, you have to stop dangling the threat of retreat over that person's head. Because until you stop doing that, you're never going to be able to have healthy conflict in the relationship. If I'm going to leave and I'm going to do this, you got to get to the place where you'd say, you know what? It's the blood of Jesus that covers all of your past. I'm not even talking about your past. I want to talk about from, from this point forward, what do we do? That's what I want to focus on. Not focusing on your past. I want to talk about from here and moving forward. What is it we are going to do? Because retreat is not an option. Now, I know some of you hear that and you think, well, I've already blown it. No, you haven't. Because again, the blood of Jesus covers everything behind you and gives you great mercy and grace for everything in front of you. And so no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done, single, single again, divorce, all of that, let me tell you something, Jesus loves you. He loves you. And I understand there's all different kinds of scenarios and all different, you know, uh, situations represented in this room. And also don't want you to hear me say, hey, the word of the Lord for you today is to stay when you're in a physically abusive relationship. I'm not saying that at all. And if you are, I think, I think you should tell someone. I think you should tell me. I think you should tell someone of our staff. Let us walk you through that season. But I'm saying, generally speaking, you don't give that other person confidence that retreat is not an option for you, like you will never have conflict in a healthy way. You'll never do it. It just won't work. So the most godly thing some of you could do today is to look at your spouse like this. I'm going to look at you and say, I'm with you. should know this, that I'm with you through thick and thin. That's what you need to do. And if you leave, I'm going to stalk you. Be like a crazy man. But maybe you need to tell them that. And just give them the confidence to know that, listen, we're in this together. It's not even an option. We're going to work on choosing the right target in this. That's hard to do. We're going to work on having a predetermined response. That's hard to do. But what's not hard is for us to draw a line in the sand and say we will not retreat. We'll not retreat. And God put us together. And what God has joined together and let no one tear apart. It's not going to happen. Let's do this. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. speaking to our hearts. For some of us, maybe we've been looking for the exit door, we've been looking for the way out. But very clearly, God has spoken maybe to your life today and said, hey, you have to be able to draw a line. Like in a world that says, take the easy way out, do the easy thing, God's word for you is to stay. Not if it's physically abusive, but just because things get hard doesn't mean you run. things are tough doesn't mean you you leave in this world we will have truth
trouble, but take heart. God has overcome the world. And so even if it feels like a fight, listen, in the middle of it, you get to decide, hey, I'm going to focus on the things I love, the things that are are beautiful. I'm going to fix my eyes on that. I'm not going to target the the negative things. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to talk about the past and drag you through what's been done. But what I am going to talk about is from here forward we have a healthy, God-honoring relationship and learn to conflict in a healthy way from a safe place. Maybe you need to commit to that today. And for those of you that, when I said the blood of Jesus covers all your past, you've never allowed his sacrifice to cover your sins. And this is why you're here. Because you've never crossed that line of faith and given your life to follow Christ. And you should know that he gave everything because he loves you. And so he died on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. And those who would find freedom in Christ are the ones that would confess him as Lord, would believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, and they would be saved. They'd be saved. They'd be set free. And for some of you, that's what needs to happen today. That's your starting place, is you need to allow the blood of Jesus to cover your past sins, your present situations, your future ahead of you. Surrender your life to follow him. Trust that God sent him because he so desperately loved you. And the way you enter in a relationship with God is through prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And you might say, Colby, when you pray that, this is why I'm here. I'm going to pray it with you. I'm going to give my life to follow Jesus. And I need his sacrifice to cover my sins right now. No one's looking around. Would you hold your hand up high? Come on, just hold it up high. I want to see who I'm praying with. If it's easier for you while your hand's up or if you don't feel comfortable, just meet me eye to eye. Just meet me eye to eye. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. 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 You can pray something like this. Jesus, today, I believe that you shed your blood for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross so I can be saved and set free, not having to carry around the weight of, of shame and guilt in my life. But God, that you died for all of that. You sent your son to die. And so today, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin and I put my trust and my hope for salvation in you alone. Nothing else. I confess you as Lord. Why don't you just tell him that again? Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And from this moment on, I'm going to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, come on, can we celebrate that today? Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this awesome journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, You can do so by going to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.